Welcome back to the Sign of Good Health podcast. Today I'm talking with Alora Damaris. So she was diagnosed with ADD as a kid. So we're going to talk about kind of her experience growing up with that. And also when I was doing research for this, I found overlapping characteristics with autism and ADHD. So we're going to also talk about some of the parallels and it's uh, apparently pretty somewhat common for having both or overlapping characteristics. So, so uh, Laura, do you want to start with just talking about like kind of when you were diagnosed and kind of the story behind that? So I was actually um, not a kid. I was diagnosed as an adult. So then, so the winter of, so I would say about end of December to mid-February in 2019 through 2020, I had a really bad mental depressive episode. So I went in to get help for that. I thought I just had really bad anxiety. They're like, no, that's ADHD. <laughs> the correlation with that is pretty interesting within itself. A lot of times there's like an overlap where um, like your thoughts, or you think you're just having rapid thoughts that you're causing anxiety, but in reality it's just undiagnosed ADHD, which was my case. Despite not having the diagnosis until you're an adult, um, were there instances where you're kind of like struggling in school or like growing up? So I was a good student. I've actually graduated valedictorian from the school that I went to, but it was a small school. So it's not that like I had a lot of competition, um, but I am not a good tester at all. Never been a good tester. I've never been able to sit down for long periods of time and focus into something. I am really good at doing homework. I am really good at doing little assignments. I am really good at presenting, but not testing. So I've always had issues like, with that kind of stuff. So uh, what about like uh, family or friends? Like, did you have issues with that growing up? They're funny because when you texted this, this text me that question, I had like a very vivid remembrance of when I was in my freshman or sophomore year in high school. There was this one girl that was, because I played sports as well, and she was our captain and she was <laughs> gossiping about me to another girl and I overheard. And it was talking about how she's always in our own world. She's always daydreaming. She's always kind of in this <laughs> over thing. And I just felt bad about myself just for being that. And now actually having a diagnosis and being like, oh, that, that makes sense because that's my symptoms right there. I have it, you know? Yeah. So uh, just, Quickly for people wondering and uh, clarification and everything. So she was diagnosed, or so ADD versus ADHD. Um, so according to what I read, and you can correct me after. So ADD was basically the difference was like it didn't have the hyperactivity, and then what happened was they took ADHD and made that the umbrella term. And then they put the inattentive stuff just as one of the subtypes, so to speak. Yes, we have pretty much a nail on the head right there. Um, ADHD is the umbrella term for all type of attention disorders. So um, whether it's hyper or not, 
attention deficit disorder used to be that versus the hyper but then because the line between them are so blurred they ended up doing like a generalized umbrella statement and then making it into subcategories that's where you get like the attentive part an attentive part like you were talking um impulsive and hyperactive mine is adhd and attentive type yeah and i was just gonna say like you hit the the three broad categories um, Mm -hmm. and then there are obviously combinations so for sure so yep and then and so like add is the generalized term for the inattentive and that's what mine is uh do you know if since ADHD does have a genetic component, do you know if others in your family have it or other kind of mental health issues? Yes. Specifically, my father has ADHD. Um, he is hyperactive. <laughs> Funny story. So they're redoing our bathroom right now in our house. I live with them. And they took down one of these walls that they put in originally, probably about 12 years back. <laughs> and in the wall, um, my dad actually left a sledgehammer <laughs> and my mom would like talk about object permanence because <laughs> right there and my dad would just like I know I know you know but um, yeah my dad actually has ADHD um, my grandmother had schizophrenia and borderline personality disorder and then my sister is actually on the spectrum herself the so autism or yes okay Yes, she is higher functioning. I believe hers is Asperger's. Yeah, and what happened with that is, so Asperger's mm-hmm. is generally considered higher end, and then it kind of got changed into high functioning autism. From what I read, it was mostly just to make sure insurance can actually reimburse because Asperger's was less common, um, mm-hmm. and they would specify autism but not Asperger's, and people were getting screwed over. So. Anyway, yeah. that might be way off, and I'm sure I'll get lots of viewer comments. It's like, actually, <laughs> but anyway. more you know, right? Yeah, this is, you know, when I was doing my documentary back in 2013, so forgive mm-hmm. me for not remembering what I read eight years ago. <laughs> anyway, um, what was interesting when I was researching for this was, depending on where you look, like 30 to 80% of autistic kids meet criteria for ADHD and 20 to 50% have the actual diagnosis. So, Mm -hmm. um, and then- That's a lot. Yeah. So we can, uh, we'll get to that later with like just kind of societal and autism impacts and like services for kids versus you grow out of it as an adult and or learn how to open. That's a whole other fight. So so let's let's go back to you, the important (laughs) stuff. So um, can you, talk about your career path or like jobs you've held and like how the ADD or struggles of or ADHD and struggles have played a role. So the current job that I have, I work in retail while I'm going to school. So I'm a supervisor there and a lot of it is hands-on, which helps a lot because if I have a lot of things to do and I have organized tasks throughout the day, that keeps me busy, that keeps me focused. Um, another funny story, like I was setting up some of the paperwork that I have to do monthly there and I left it somewhere in the store and it took me probably about 20 minutes to find it because that's just one of the types deal and I was like retracing my steps to go through everything and just couldn't find it but yeah I haven't had any like sit down type jobs where it's really impacted me where I've had to like focus on one task for a very long time 
and the career that I want to go into is occupational therapy mm-hmm. and that's a lot more hands-on and I think I'll do really well with that for the ability that will keep me busy and keep me moving and have different tasks to check off you know yeah um so can you touch on just explaining more about the inattentive stuff like um and I'm just drawing on like so with autism sometimes you're kind of ignoring the world around you and you're focused on your own thing or is Mm -hmm. it more like you're can't focus on one thing for very long or you focus on stuff that really interests you but not the boring stuff or, or can you just explain that combination of all that sure. um so a big one because like you were asking me how does it impact like my relationships and stuff like that my friend my best friend she because I'm comfortable with her and I don't feel like I have to physically like you know because when I'm talking right now I'm really making sure I'm focusing and being attentive with you because I want to give you like the best conversation I possibly can in this but when I'm comfortable with her and we're just talking about day-to-day stuff I will zone out and she'll be talking to me and then she'll have to tell me to come back in to be like hi still here but it's just it's not like I stopped thinking I had a train of thought and I followed that train of thought away from the conversation um and then sometimes it is like a lack of interest type deal where it's just like okay alrighty, are we done here you know and then um it's like okay yep yeah um on, we were talking in class about like you and I both have a thing where it's like if there's multiple conversations going on it's very it takes a ton of mental effort to be very focused right there yep supposed yes. to be talking also I mean I, I talk with my hands a lot but uh, this is just a little rock that I kind of fidget with or I, sometimes other podcasts you'll see in my hands I'm fidgeting with something or right. and then I also have uh a little notepad I used to write down questions so it's and that's from like when I was at a newspaper I I try to keep my focus on the person but then I am kind of writing without looking so I can not so I can remember the questions as I come up with them but then still be present in the conversation and keep that flow so Mm -hmm. no I feel that like if I'm ever presenting and I have like a train of thought and I don't have like some type of visual in front of me a lot of times I'm not going to remember everything I wanted to say like so I get that yeah Um, also yeah it's very true with like when other people are talking or noises are going around I have to be for like our online test I have to be in a different room everything's got to be quiet and closed my son likes to come in every once in a while and check in and I know we have like buddy you gotta go I'm not gonna be able to focus I love you but you need to leave right now yeah so is ADHD something you strongly identify with or, or is it kind of just oh yeah that's a part of who I am and it's kind of in the background I would say nothing as a characteristic as a whole person everybody's got like for my class that I have right now, we're talking about um, breaking stereotypes and viewing people as a whole. And so ADHD is a part of me, but it is not my entire story. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. There is more to me than just ADHD. Does it take a lot of, um, does it take a big space up in my life? Yes. <laughs> it can be very permanent, permanent at sometimes, but. I like what you said with like, just, it's not your whole story because, and I, I, I don't know if it's a social media thing or, or what, but it's just, it seems like people make one facet 
their whole identity. Right. And it's like, and that happens with like, I'm in the fitness guy world and that's all they talk about. And it's like, okay, what else? Or like, who mean, are you? Right. I like video games and people play, some people get super into like one game. And it's like, I'm, I'm more like, I'll play the game and then I want to play the next game. And I, mm -hmm. I, I like the story aspect, but I, that's a whole other rabbit hole I can easily get stuck <laughs> in. So anyway, mm -hmm. um, like for autism, it, like I was diagnosed when I was in fourth grade. So like 10 ish, mm -hmm. uh, but it wasn't really a big thing I kind of identified with. And it was just like once in a while, I'd see like, if it's a news story or something, it's like, oh yeah, cool. And I'd have that connection that way. But it, uh, and this story is in my documentary, like it didn't really become a thing for me until late high school. And then I did my documentary and then, um, every once in a while, well, it's, it's annual. So that's how once in a while, but anyway, there's like <laughs> autism conferences. And one was actually a couple of weeks ago for the autism society of Minnesota. And I go to those, but that's for the cool. most part, I mean, like the podcast, I've done some mental health and autism related ones, but it's not a, a large consuming part of my life. So anyway, right. It's not the dictating factor in your life. It is a factor, but it's not the only factor. Yeah. Yeah, and it's more just in workplaces, sometimes there's challenges, like I work in journalism, and there was a police scanner, like literally, th like three feet from my desk, which is not fun for someone with sensory sensitivity. <laughs> no, not at all. That would make me nervous or distracted with all the noise going on anyways. Yeah, so anyway uh that's another story for another time so so <laughs> let's and we did kind of start to touch on it but like what other kind of challenges does adhd cause for you the intentive things i procrastinate a lot because i have this perfectionism mentality of like i don't have the time to do it properly right now so i'm not gonna be able to do it right now and i'm not gonna be able to dedicate myself right now so I got to do it later and then it's like five minutes before everything has to be done and I'm trying to cram as much as I possibly can because of that or I start a project but it's not going the way I like so I just put it down and I walk away I paint and draw and stuff so sometimes if the painting isn't turning out exactly I can't tell you the amount of times I've stopped halfway through and then like two to three months go back to it and be like oh yeah I was doing this and finish where I was at I will object permanence, like I was talking earlier, I will have something, I think we all do it to an extent, but it just happens a lot for me. <laughs> I have something in my hand, I pick it up, not think about what I'm doing, put it down. I have no idea where it went after that point. So those kinds of things. Um, I do fidget a bit, but not like a lot. So I'm not really on that hyperactive issue. Yeah. Uh, mostly inattentive. Okay. And dissociation. Has there been anything helpful to try to deal with those things like procrastination and stuff? I make a to-do list at the beginning of the week. I try to, I try to have set times to do things. Like I have certain set days off in the week so I can do certain things and helps me just get my schedule done. But at the beginning of the week, I write out my budget for the week. I write out what I should do for the week. Um, whether it be work, school, family, friends, whatever I got going on, because I need a visual of what I'm doing. Like I could put it in my phone and I could set reminders, but then I could hit silent and then it would be gone completely. Um, so yeah, mostly just keeping like, um, also routines are pretty big for me. 
yeah. there might be variance in the routines, but um, like when I go into work in the morning and I have to start setting up things because um, I work in retail. So one of my jobs is to actually fill all the registers in the morning and I have to like, I have a set routine in my mind of how I do everything. So it's not like do, 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 walking down the aisles of the store. Yeah, um, and I, I'm very big on routine and that's a pretty common thing with autism as well. It's just interesting because it's like, you know, schedules and routines and keeping things organized and sleep and exercise. Oh, yeah. And that's like, that helps everybody. And it's like, huh. <laughs> you know? And it's, it's just interesting to me, like people don't, they resist the idea of routine, but I think some of it is like, if, if you're the one setting up the routine and you have that ownership, that helps a lot. Well, mm-hmm. it, it should, I guess, because some people are like, some people need that external pressure to get shit done. You know? Right, um, right. And that's another reason I have to do in-person things. So that physicality of turning in work a lot of the times, yeah. like online flexibility for like schoolwork is good. But um, if I'm in-person studying and having people watch around me, it gives me a bit of that pressure like you're talking about there. Right. Um, and and uh, did you ever try like medication or did it help? I personally didn't. The only type of medication that I am on currently is for my depression. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong about it, but it just my personal choice has been, well, you know, I made it through this far in my life without being medicated and been fairly well. I mean, I know that's not the greatest logic ever, <laughs> yeah. but I still like my personal choice is I don't want to be dependent on something to make me feel better or act better. I mean, it helps. It definitely yeah. because it just helps your brain regulate more for sure. But I want to be able to handle it myself. And I guess that's kind of a control thing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and like with depression, uh, I mean, sometimes it is a brain chemistry thing, but sometimes it's like, you know, yeah, your life sucks. <laughs> <It's> like, <Right. laughs> so, um, cause like, I, I've definitely struggled with depression in spurts throughout my life. You know, that's the other thing too, is I'm in therapy. Well, I do a lot of like, um, cognitive behavioral therapy, which helps me with all my stuff. Um, specifically my ADHD and my depression. And that was, one of the big things that she talked about was that because one of my goals is eventually to be off it not that it's bad that people are like but it just you're gonna have to be able to handle certain situations in life you're gonna have to be able to know how to do so and the same thing with ADHD you got to be able to handle certain things and be able to know how to do so yeah well and one thing that I I did talk about in a a recent podcast too was it was with an addictions counselor and we talked about for myself with autism and I'm assuming it's similar experience for you like with all the shit I've had to go through and I get frustrated like and the example I brought up was like everybody having emotional support animals and on airplanes and whatever and it's and it's just all this like, you know, kids these days are coddled and it's like, I've had to struggle with all this crap. And just because you can't handle being, can't handle it or whatever. And it's like, um, and so we talked about the difference between like, you know, when do you push yourself and when do you 
actually need that accommodation right. to help. And right. Yeah. So, and like, and I think we agree. It's like medication itself is not bad. It can help, but also like not the answer for everything can you get a job that you like that pays you well and is fulfilling and whatever instead and nothing against retail jobs been there done that but well there's everything against retail jobs been there done right that. <laughs> yes um i mean the people that have done them know the reality of them and it's yeah. so anyway um so yes your retail can suck <laughs> so uh so like your job, like how are your relationships with your friends or family? Are you sleeping well? Are you eating? Like there's, are you healthy? Like do you exercise? Do you get outside during normal right. human hours? Like there's a lot of stuff that can go into, and like you mentioned painting, do you have some kind of hobby for fun, fulfilling outlet? Like, mm -hmm. and if you can get all that dialed in, it's like, oh, the depression can be, maybe it doesn't hundred percent go away, but it can be from like a 10, like I can't freaking move to get out of bed to mm -hmm. like, even if it's like a nine or an eight, that's an improvement. But if, if you have all that stuff going well for you, it's like, maybe it's a six, maybe it's a three. Right. And well, like, well, mm -hmm. I was just going to say like, and once in a while, sure. It, or like for me, the depression has been like, it lasts for a, a period in more recent times, like the last, I don't know, six years of my life or whatever, it will be bursts of like a couple of weeks when life circumstances are kind of shitty. Um, and again, stories for another time. I'm down for a couple of weeks with that, but, it, it, and that might pop up once in a while. It might be for a day, it might be for a couple of weeks is my point. But, you know, if you're at a 10, every day for months or years on end, yeah, that's bad. But, you know, start, uh, like Jordan Peterson talks about, like, what, what can you do? And what are you willing to do that can like, make your your life or your room or like he talks about like clean your room that's your basic stuff like what can like on your desk like is there some old papers that you don't need like that's bothering you can you deal with those i said <laughs> what little things can you do to start making your life that much better um, so anyway yeah no it's a conscientious effort for sure yes. i agree yeah and like we were saying earlier with my identity of it like depression is another facet of it like yeah. right there totally agree with you yeah what, again we got a little off track but not really yeah. so anyway so you did mention you have a son uh do you <laughs> know if he's showing any symptoms or struggles so he's five and a half like the doc so he's young he's a five-year-old boy he's very active i have had some concerns brought to me because so way back when he was about three and a half um they're starting, they're supposed to start forming sentences and like basically little people mimicking you, talking around. He wasn't forming sentences past three to four words, which made me a bit concerned. So I ended up putting him in um, a program that um, runs through the public school system here called Three School. And through that, I um, had his speech development tested with the school obviously as it, so he's perfectly fine <laughs> long mm -hmm. story short he's perfectly fine but, but the lady that tested him when they were doing an overview she's like yeah no he missed it by eight points he can perfectly speak he'll be okay he just needs to be around other kids more because he's an only child and needs to 
start getting some of that social development aspect in there. Um, but I do need to let you know, your son is the most difficult child I've ever had to work with. And I looked at her and I was like, excuse me. And she was like, he just, I want to sit still. He just wants to move around and play. He's not really interested in any of this stuff. And I go, he's five. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, he's, he was three at the time, but he, young, yes. you know. Well, and like when I was doing this research and like another broad, like too big to tackle in a way things right. like just that I, I care about is just the something with education overhaul and I like and I know there's been some research and whatever looking at like with schools and it's like okay you're expecting kids that are like six to ten to sit still for right. eight hours learning about stuff they don't care about with kids they probably don't like it's like exactly and, and that's yeah mm -hmm. I was just gonna say like sure some 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 kids might genuinely have some adhd but that's not a hundred percent of the problem it's the school system as well like, right our school system is very set up for neurotypical people in general where they just nothing wrong are able to sit still and also adhd in general is overdiagnosed yes and that's the whole growing out of it as an adult type deal comes into play it's well, like, I yeah, I hadn't put that part, part together of like, yeah, but that's interesting. Yeah, like from what I was reading, like 30 to 60% still struggle as adults. Um, but yeah, that's a good point with like the overdiagnosing, just so you can put kids on drugs and get them to sit right. still and shut up. It's like, come on. And then that correlates with the addiction rates and all that stuff there, which is awful within itself. Yeah. I was going to ask you about uh you know can you talk about your strengths like and it could be related to adhd or not um i like to think i'm very observant <laughs> like i feel like i am able to read a lot of other people off emotionally wise i know that might just be i feel like i'm able to see a lot more like body movements and things because that's the stuff that goes on with me so like if you're kind of anxious and moving your hands a lot I'm gonna probably be looking at that and be like oh how can I help you here when I'm I my job in retail for example I had this one girl and I am a supervisor for the cashiers so she was ringing some of these guys out and I could she was being very polite she was being very calm but I went and I stood by her and her body language just relaxed entirely and it was just because she was anxious to be surrounded by a bunch of people you know and yeah. those kinds of things I feel like I pick up from pretty easy I also like to think I'm pretty creative but mm -hmm. maybe tooting my own horn there <laughs> no but I also think about like with like Jordan Peterson and other stuff it's like you know not everybody is creative so I don't know what to think with that because like I remember reading about um and there's a thing that looks at like creative potential or imagination or whatever and it's like 98 percent of kids have that in kindergarten and then like it starts dropping so fast in like first grade and like by high school it's like what five percent of kids or i don't know what it is but um is, do you know what i'm talking about though yes i've heard of something similar like that yeah like you know it's you do, not always something that's carried through in adulthood yes right and that's another thing we were talking about like with the school system and stuff so it's 
yeah uh, it's built for neurotypical people <laughs> right and yeah and i don't know with like autism and adhd if creativity is part of that like if it's because our brains are wired differently and that helps or if it's also <laughs> just part of who alex and alora are as people like we happen to be creative and have this i don't right. know um, does it give you the glasses to be creative you know that right. kind of stuff and i don't know um uh, so that's, that's, a, that's interesting to think about though um, it is yeah yeah you you said you didn't have or try the medications and again i want to clarify for people listening we're not saying medications are bad not at all if you need it use it yeah um but it, it was interesting too like reading about so like in the personal development world, uh, some people talk about taking nootropics, which are like smart drugs. And uh, that's to help you like focus, you can get more done and college students use them. Um, but it was interesting reading about like people use Ritalin and Adderall, which are for ADHD, because it does help you focus. So, but, and then it was like, it's creating that challenge of uh, you know, boy, you cried wolf. And it's like, oh yeah, doctor, I have this so I can get my drugs. And um, right. it's hurting those who have the legit diagnosis because they're not as believed because eight other kids came in like in the last 10 minutes trying to get the same drugs. So, right. Uh, well, it's also not giving you like a true diagnosis then too, you know, like you were saying, it hurts. It. Yeah. Oh, that, that's something that I guess I don't know about for an adult diagnosis of ADHD, but I know for adults trying to get autistic diagnosis, diagnoses, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, that can be a struggle. Um, like one of the guys in my documentary, Paul Johnson, like he was a therapist that got diagnosed as an adult. And they were like, at first they didn't believe him because it's like he knew how the test works. So you're faking it to get it. It's like, right. And that's how, like, um, when I was told, I was like, are you sure? Are you really sure? It's like, I just feel like I'm really anxious and overthinking everything right now. And it's just being tied in with my depression and weighing me down. And she's like, no, <laughs> you know, like mm -hmm. I had to do multiple tests and it wasn't like, it's not like blood work either, you know? Yeah. There's not a, a Doing, marker. You're being observed, you know? And I was just right. like, what? You sure? Yeah. Um. And anxiety is also a big thing with autism too, just, and it's all, I will say it's definitely something I've struggled with. And I think some of it is just, you grow up getting told everything you think is wrong or everything you do is wrong. So you're kind of like, like beaten down throughout your life. So it's like, how do I get through the day without getting yelled at or whatever? And it's, that's kind of your, mm -hmm your friend right. starting with so it's like no shit I hated the school <laughs> didn't want to be there I was depressed that I had like you know six more years of it or whatever um like I, I know it started in freaking junior high <laughs> so um mm -hmm. so yeah like the negative thoughts hold a lot more weight to them than sometimes the positives do for sure yeah. which yeah which is hard because evolutionarily it makes sense because it's like you know, there could be a tiger back there behind those trees. It's like, or la da da, everything's fine. It's like the guy who's paranoid survives. And it's like it's funny you said that. Yeah, because like um, that's what ADHD 
ADHD is considered is the like instinctual hunting instinct because we needed it way back when to keep eyes on everything to make sure that we're being attentive and alive and all that other stuff so yeah well and I, I read a thing and I don't know if it's true or not but it was just like you know autism as a gene thing because I I believe there's a genetic component um, there's maybe environmental triggers we don't need to get into that rabbit hole either but anyway <laughs> um, so there's uh, it was a talking about autism as a genetic thing survived because they were good solo hunter gatherer people so they're useful to the tribe you know interesting um, so even if they're not the most social if they can still find all the berries or kill the the boar or whatever because they're mm -hmm. patient enough to track them and um yeah also i was going to talk about too you mentioned reading emotions and body language and one thing with autism that or like the higher functioning like asperger's and stuff i've heard it described because your stereotypical autistic thing person or whatever is like you describe them as like a robot like they're logical and they don't have emotions and it's like i've heard it described as kind of the opposite it's like an exposed nerve so you're super sensitive so you need to cover that up and protect it so and that seems to reflect my experience because um i have struggled with like with autism you are usually more we'll, we'll say candid direct blunt whatever because <laughs> uh, you don't understand social rules and and then i think again getting that beaten down throughout life you get I ended up going kind of too far on the other side where I can sometimes care too much about people's emotions. Right. Um, so because yeah, I do feel like I'm, I'm also, I'll say above average at reading body language and kind of either predicting or sensing how people are feeling. So, but I also do get frustrated when it's like, people don't, they have a hard time like, there's a difference between you and what your brain is telling you. And it's like, I know you're feeling this way, but logically we got to do this thing. So right. shut that down. <laughs> people can't do that. And it's like, so. Yeah, I think that's like, in a way, that's pretty cool is where you're able to see the reality of things and not be overcome by the emotions. Or I feel like sometimes the emotions are a lot louder than the reality of things. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's just, again, I've, I've put a lot of work into developing emotional awareness, intelligence, whatever you want to call it, so, regulation. So, uh, and yeah, I just, it's another one of those things, like same thing as like schedule and routines and whatever. It's like, it's something everybody can benefit from, so. Right. I do think like that's about what I had for questions. Um, okay, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I'll just say thanks for being on the show. Uh, thanks anybody, for having me. 